here. And I am Merrick, welcoming you to the Asheville Magic Podcast. We are here today in the Magic Shop uh, to talk about the WNC Magic Club. As many of you may know, Ricky was a founder of the WNC Magic Club, a group of individuals who came together over their love of magic. We are lucky enough to have with us another one of those founding members, Gil Carlson. Hi, Gil. Hey. So, getting into the WNC Magic Club, how, how did it all begin? Well, Gil has a wonderful story, so I'm going to let him tell his story about how he met. Okay. Yeah, I had uh, just moved uh, with my family up here from uh, Greenville in 1979. Wow. And sometime that fall or in the spring, I was reading the paper and saw somebody having magic for sale. Well, <laughs> I hadn't met any magicians up in the mountains here, and so... Uh, I called and uh, got Ricky on the phone, and he says, come on by my house, and I'll show you what I've got. <laughs> and I got there, and um, and what I got was a lot of questions from me. He wanted to know <laughs> why I wanted magic and what I was going to do with it and all that sort of thing. And so uh, after we talked for a while, then he said, I really don't have a whole lot of magic for sale. He says, if you wouldn't have been a magician, I had some, uh, some uh, trinkets and jokes that I would have, uh, joke magic that I would have sold you. <laughs> but but says, you passed the test. I passed the test. And he says, uh, really wanted to, what I wanted to do was find out what kind of magicians we had in the area. And so he got me. Huh. Yeah, that's and, very uh, smart trap. <laughs> yeah, and he, he knew a few others over in Canton and, and that sort of thing. And so uh, we decided to get together at his house and and, um, and pull in all the magicians that he knew and, and just start getting together. That, and how often did those first meetings take place? Was it like once a month, once a week? Well, well, the, the first one happened as in a lifetime. Uh, then, <laughs> then a couple of months later we had two so that was once every two months and, huh. and i don't know at first probably we got together what do you think ricky maybe five six times a year maybe probably yeah yeah, yeah. and there wow. were times where we'd go through a whole season with not getting together because yeah. everybody was so busy and then we'd have a couple close together so it was a very loose schedule at the beginning just kind of working off everyone else's i guess yeah it wasn't organized we just met at Ricky's house or at my house. I guess we went over to... Um, we went over to Canton or Waynesville. We went to Waynesville. Oh, wow. I uh, don't think we ever had a... don't think we ever had a meeting at Bruce's house. I don't think... No, I don't think so. Um, but uh, Bruce Fowler, to me, was a legend in magic. And that was somebody else that I had found. And I tell people all the time that he was my grandfather in magic. He was a, an older man by the time I got to know him. But uh, seeing some of the photographs and hearing some stories, he was, uh, he was a, a great performer in his day. And knowledge, this man knew more knowledge about magic than anyone that I had encountered at that time. Yeah. And uh, it, was, it was amazing. What now, was he one of the other founding members? Yes. Okay. And what I think is interesting is, no matter where we would go to a convention or a, a show of somebody coming into town, whoever we met, they knew Bruce. Huh. 
That's always interesting. <laughs> the uh, Could you guys walk me through one of those early meetings, like say it's at Ricky's house and I come over there, what, what would take place? His mother would meet you and <laughs> greet you. Yeah, and I've met Essie before. <laughs> There's always food. There's always food. Sure enough. And, uh, but usually Gil or one or two people would bring some stuff and we would do some magic. And uh, a lot like the meetings that we have now, which a lot of people love the, uh, the uh, when the meeting is actually over, we just get together and we have fellowship and yeah. we talk to each other. And the ones that likes to do card tricks would be over in one corner or one time. <laughs> be over here in another corner showing coin tricks and stuff like that. So we would just break off and do some magic and then break off and just just have friendship. Yeah, and, and about how many people was it at those first few, I guess? Uh, it's a lot like it is even now. Sometimes you may have yeah. three, sometimes you may have 20. Gotcha, okay. Yeah, there were, there were probably, I can think of eight or nine that were pretty pretty faithful. Hmm. And um, and actually, we would only get together when there were a few of us that could come. So we probably had a had a better quorum than um, than maybe we do when we have monthly meetings because yeah. everybody would agree to come, and so we would have it. Yeah. And do you guys recall how long that went on before it became like the more formalized meeting that it is now? Well, we. We started meeting at Denny's. I think we started meeting at Denny's then instead of going from house to house. Yeah. Well, that was the official meeting. I think we went for a few years um, meeting in houses. Right. And then we put an ad in the paper about the Denny's meeting and invited everybody that was interested in magic to come. In fact, wasn't that the first time that Kai came? Yeah, we, we met a... <laughs> He lived in Weaverville. I didn't even know. <laughs> it was odd. He had called me years before and told me that he was he lived in Sweden. He was here just checking out the area. Boy, it would be a nice place to retire. I didn't know who he was, so I tried to encourage him to retire to Hendersonville. <laughs> he's a magician. Oh, yeah, retirement, a good place to retire is Hendersonville. And then I go to this meeting that Gil was talking about that we put in the newspaper and there's this older gentleman sitting there and uh, he speaks with a Swedish accent and he says I called you several years ago and I've been living in Weaverville for a couple of years and he was another one of these people that just had so much knowledge about magic that it was it's phenomenal his name is Kai, K-A-J, Mark Wogau. Huh. Yeah, so this is the guy I've heard Ricky refer to as Mr. K most right, often. He went okay. By Mr. K. Huh. He's and back in Sweden now. And still yeah. doing magic. Still performing well. Yeah, I, I guess a few times a year I hear Ricky going, oh, he sent me another email. <laughs> and there's always some big story attached to it, it seems. Uh, what, what, so what was the experience with some of uh, Mr. K's stuff when he came into the club? Mr. K was very organized, and he turned me off a little bit at first because this had been such a laid-back crowd, <laughs> but he was the one that 
got everything together and he wrote us up uh, articles of incorporation kind of he uh, he had the, the, the rules and regulations and all this stuff and because of Mr. K we have become who we are today as the Western Mark County oh wow Manager. yeah so that that must have been by the late 80s because we when the first bell share we participated in was 1991 or two yeah. And uh, for that, we already had our, our tax uh, number. They wouldn't let us participate on, a, uh, on an earning basis unless we had that. And so we got that right about then. So we, we, were, we were that organized by 92 and probably on our way there by, by the last of 1980s. And... Uh, we are not, the Magic Club is not a non-profit. We are a not-for-profit organization. Mm -hmm. uh, and we are considered to be an educational organization because that's what we do. We promote the arts. Yeah. And uh, I, I, I tell people that I am who I am because of five people in this world. And Jill is one of them. Mr. K is one of them. Bruce Fowler is one of them. David Carter is one of them. And apparently I've forgotten the other one. But there's five. And I'm sure I'll think of the other, the fifth one later on. <laughs> but uh, these people came together. They helped organize this organization. And they have taught me more in those first few years than I probably have even learned after that. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's one of the things when I came into the club that was just so great is Richard Wiles. That's the Richard other. Wiles, aha. Uh -huh. But uh, yeah, after I first started coming to the club, that was the great thing is there were so many people with that same level of interest, and not only that, but that same level of dedication. You know, like everybody has an interest in magic. <laughs> that doesn't make them a magician because all they're concerned with is a trick. You know, it, it takes a lot more than that to turn the trick into something bigger than that um yeah yeah I, I i mean it's just one of those mythical things i after i got into the club i kept hearing about like how these original meetings started all this stuff and i mean it's become what it is today and so when, when was it again you guys started that in your house was, how many years ago roughly it would have been early 80s, early 80s. yeah yeah so that's yeah, we're, we're, going we're on 30, 30 yeah that's quite a statement. There have been a lot of other magic clubs that don't seem to last as long. Uh, I, I don't think it's because of uh, the way the clubs are set up or anything. like that. They, they all seem to have good people. It's just for some reason this one club has outlasted every club that's been in town. Well, we are, we are an independent club. We're not associated with the IBM or the SEM. And, and for those people out there that don't know what that is. International Brotherhood of Magicians and Association of American Magicians. And I'm not saying anything bad about them. I've been members of both of those clubs as well. Yeah. But uh, some people, just like with life, it becomes a political thing. And our club has just always been about the magic. Yeah. yeah well, before I moved here, I was in Charlotte. And belonged to the IBM there, belonged to the IBM in Greenville, and then when I came up here, I'd go back to Greenville for meetings, or there was, was it an SAM that was down in Hendersonville? It was. Two or three people, and I, um, and I went to 
those meetings. And then that's when we uh, decided to get together and, and have something a little bit closer. Hmm. Yeah. We have people from Tennessee, South Carolina, all over Western North Carolina that comes to this club. Yeah. And uh, I, I really don't know what it is about this club, but some, so many people have said that they've lived in other parts of the country and they really, really enjoy this club. Yeah, and that, that's something else that's always surprised me is, I mean, even even with when I was uh, one of the officers in the club, helping pull some of this stuff together even, it was still shocking that the, the quality of talent we got to come and lecture for us. Uh, some of the big names that have come through here. I mean, even before I was a member of the club, it's it's always had big names coming in and lecturing for the club. And these are like Jeff McBride, Harry Anderson. I mean, the list goes on and on. Uh, I mean, you could probably name a lot more right off the top of your head. Another one that comes to mind is Costa Kimlot, mm-hmm. uh, which he is actually doing magic for the Orlando Magic now. He's in charge of all that. Uh, he's actually got quite a big business down there from what I understand. But... Um, it's just uh, Michael Amar. That's another big name. Uh, and and they, these are the kind of magicians that you can't just, I mean, you'd have to travel to Vegas to meet some of these and then somewhere else to meet the rest of these. But if you just stay right here in this one spot for a little bit of time, these guys come to you. We've had John Calvert several times. Oh, John Calvert was amazing. Yeah. The, I only saw him that once, but, yeah, that was amazing. And he asked me the last time, he says, what do you want me to lecture on? I said, just tell him. Yeah. <laughs> just talk, John, just talk, just talk. And he still did magic. He did a show. He, yeah, he, he did his show and told stories. Yeah. <laughs> and they were all great. The show was great. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. We have a couple of things going for us. Once we're really a bunch of nice people. Yeah. And But then beyond that, uh, nowadays especially, not so much back then, but nowadays especially, everybody wants to come to Asheville. Yeah. And so we get the opportunity Yeah, Asheville seems to be, like, really catering to the magic crowd now. Uh, re- recently, uh, the Weekend of Wonder, uh, and a lot of those same big names came back to town mm-hmm. just to do this again, like uh, J. Scott, Scott Barry. Yeah. Lamar had been here before. Uh, yeah. Uh, McBride had been here before, and, and J. Scott Barry has lectured for the Magic Club before several times. And, yeah. Uh, so they just keep around and come back. Yeah, and, and I mean, you couldn't ask for more. If that's even if like you're a child and you're just wanting to get into magic, if you're a parent wanting your child to be involved with something like that, or if you're a magician who just really loves it, it's the perfect place to be. I think. So I mean, you know, it's starting to create like its own market here, where now we have magicians coming into the club that are talking about going out and doing restaurant work. It's just one of those things where it seems to fuel itself now. That's uh, that's true, and and there is. There's other big names that I can't even think of who they are that's been to Asheville, and it's killing me. I can see them, I can see their faces, but I can't even think of their names. Yeah, and, and Ricky D. Boone's here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the, the local celebrity, Ricky D. Boone, who's always on the news. Americans most wanted mostly. Not on the news, on the front of uh, uh, the linking ring, the IBM yeah. publication. Yeah, for those who don't know, Ricky's had quite a history of magic, and uh, if if you just look a little bit, you'll see his face on a lot of things, especially wanted posters. (laughs) (laughs) You go to post office, yeah. (laughs) But um, 
and, and that's that's another thing too with the club that I think is so great is it it caters to anyone interested in learning magic at any level. Like you can come in knowing everything about magic and still learn something, or you can come in not knowing anything but two three tricks and learn a lot. Looks like I tell a lot of the young guys that come in here, and I encourage them to show me what they can do, and uh, they say, "Oh, you saw it all," but. I learn from some of these young guys because they may do something in a completely different way that fits in with their personality, and it, uh, it amazes me, and it entertains me. So, it, whether you've been in magic for 40 years like I have, or whether you've been in magic four days, uh, it has something for everybody. That's why I've said before, the day I know everything about magic will be the day that I quit. Because I know that day will never come. Yeah. yeah I agree with that. <laughs> One thing about our, our club is that every club needs to have a hookup as far as funds. Mm -hmm. And Bell Share was the ideal opportunity for us. When we first signed up, we, uh, we wrote a really nice letter telling them how good we were and that what we wanted to do was... Um, have, we would do street magic without charging them. Mm -hmm. And uh, and then we wanted to have uh, a couple of shows in the children's uh, pavilion and, a, and any other place they could use us and, and sign us up for a few of those would give them a good quality show and, um, and they could pay us for that. Yeah, we, uh, we really had a great opportunity with Bellshare because it did two things for us. One, it gave us a, a way that we could raise funds enough to have some of these folks uh, come through and do lectures for us. But it also gave us an opportunity to put people out that didn't have a whole lot of experience with magic, put them on the street, work with one of us, and they could, and all they had to do was two or three pieces of, of magic uh, for the whole day yeah. and do it over and over again so you could you could try something and I, I enjoyed this too because you could try something and see how uh, uh, the people were receiving it and then 15 minutes later you were doing the same thing on another street corner <laughs> and seeing how you could up it one yeah. and it, it, was, uh, it was really good yeah that's one of those joys of performing is going from performance to performance and finding those little subtle things that maybe you didn't plan on mm -hmm. or, you know, maybe you just tried something a little different and it makes it so much better that you can just put it in the show. <laughs> the other great thing about Bell Share, it also gives us a, a platform to promote the Magic Club because Bell Share had so many people coming through that there were people like, oh, there's a Magic Club? And some people would come to see if they could figure out how magic worked. Yeah. But the way we the club we don't talk in front of people until they do three magic tricks they get loaded on and then they become members of the club yeah so therefore that weeds out the people that are just coming to see if they can figure out yeah magic and, and even if they're just beginners just getting into it you still kind of gauge it off their interest more than how perfect they're doing each move or whatnot yeah exactly yeah 
Yeah, yeah. If, they, if they attempt yeah, that's what I was just trying to think. Is I don't since I've been a member, I don't recall anyone being turned down. No, and it's a matter that was a matter of their showing interest to come back. Yeah. And uh, and to keep working on things. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. But uh, we we learned another thing at uh, at that we we had <clears throat> we had a show one time in the children's pavilion. <laughs> And we would always video our shows. Yeah. And so we set up the camera, and, and we would do the whole show, and then we'd sit around and we'd watch the videos. Well, at the beginning of it, since all the people were coming in, somebody had turned the camera around to the audience. Yeah. And the people were, were coming in, and, and they were taking pictures of that. And nobody remembered to turn it back to the stage. <laughs> so when the – it was an hour show, and we included – maybe six of us, uh, when it was all over, we realized we didn't have a bit of it. Yeah. But what we did have was so much more valuable that we did it that way again. <laughs> and that was, we could hear ourselves doing magic. We knew what we were doing. Yeah. But we got to see, in retrospect, what the audience was doing. Oh, yeah. And there were certain things you, you, you would see two or three people with their little kids get up and, and wander off. Yeah. And other times, everybody would be leaning on their on the front edge of their seats. <laughs> and and so it was, that was such a good experience. I've used it myself uh, since then. Because you don't pick that up when you're actually doing it. Yeah. But when you go back and you see disappointment in somebody's face or excitement in somebody's face, you know what to do the next yeah. time. Yeah, that actually is a good point. I mean, it's almost, it, it would be more beneficial to run two cameras, one recording the show and one recording the audience. Mm -hmm. And that way, if someone did leave and took their kids or whatever, uh, you could, you know, go back to that same time frame on the other recording and see exactly what you were doing at that specific time. Yeah, but the, the, the audio was on, so we knew yeah. what we were doing. Yeah, yeah. Well, except if it was music or something. Yeah, just, well, just are, I, I think with... you know there are some magicians that don't talk when they do magic? I know. I've heard. Yeah, it's true. But uh, I, I think with some of the younger ma magicians, that would probably help, though, because I think sometimes when they're performing, they get so caught up in what they're doing, they're not that aware of every move they're making, per mm -hmm. se. Mm -hmm. And something else I've noticed, too, is, you know, if one person like or one family gets up and leaves, that's not necessarily a statement on the show. But oh. now if you start seeing, like, five groups of people <laughs> – going and leaving about the same time that that's telling you something <laughs> but yeah that i recall i don't remember that happening to anybody we never so had a captive audience because they were tents with outsides on them yeah and so people would come and go even during the show yeah the the free flow of bell share very much like a street show it was yeah and you guys were doing it on stage at that point, though, weren't you? At that, yeah, we were charging them to have us do it on stage. Yeah. And then we would say, we'll do so many person hours in the street. Yeah. And it was just, it's the first time I had ever done street magic. And, and you just start with nobody in front of you doing some magic. And within two or three minutes, you have 30, 40, <laughs> 50, 80 people crowding around yeah and you just do it for another 10 minutes yeah and quit and move on to another yeah it was, it's very it was, interesting it was really fun well the, th the, the first one that we actually did was so great 
Because that year was known as Bill Shared the Magic. Yeah. And so we were Bill Shared. It catered to it. That was, was 92. Yeah. And Bill Shared the, the Magic. Shop, right there. They get right over the door. They got it there. And so they found out about us before they released the poster. They mm-hmm. found out about us and came to the Western North Carolina Magic Club to see if we would be willing to do this. And then they released the poster. Hmm. Share yeah, just one of those perfect time, perfect place kind of things, yeah. huh? Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I, have a, I, I, I know you. I know you very well, but uh, we have a little bit of history about you. Yeah, could you please tell the people about your father and how you got into magic? And... Yeah, that's well. I um, my interest in magic was because I grew up with uh, with a father who did magic. He was. Uh, pastor of uh, little churches, um, uh, a few of them, two or three in, in all the time of, that I was growing up. And he used magic to illustrate Bible. Hmm. And so he would use it in Sunday school, sometimes in a church service, um, uh, for special occasions like vacation Bible school and other things. He would do it. And, uh, and so he belonged to IBM. I, was, I grew up in upstate New York. We went to uh, the Binghamton uh, IBM. We went over to, I believe it was Poughkeepsie, to the SAM. Um, and, um, and then we would go to conventions. And so even though he had quite a few books, um, I learned magic from watching other magicians. Yeah. Uh, we went to Montrose, Pennsylvania in the summertime, spent a week there for the convention for the Fellowship of Christian Magicians. And uh, my father was, or I was, uh, number, uh, my membership card was number 49, and now <laughs> it's in the tens of thousands of people. But my number was 49, and his was 50. We signed up at the same time. <laughs> and, um, and so I got to see magicians, and I got to see how the audience responded to them these conventions and others that um, are easy to find or at that time are easy to find in the upstate and, and New York City area. Yeah, wow. And so I uh, I, I grew up around magic. And, and, and ha- how old were you when you started going to the conventions? Oh, uh, 12. Oh, wow, yeah. It's yeah. a nice age to start this. And but then, you've been in magic all your life, though, basically. Basically, yeah. yeah. Because he was interested probably before you were born. Was he already into magic before you were born? Or? Yeah, his brother showed him a, a magic trick of where you take a thread or two threads and put it in your mouth and chew on it, and it becomes <laughs> one. The gypsy he, thread, right? Yeah, that's it. Yeah. yeah. And uh, he got he got hooked on that and uh, and started doing it from when he was younger. Huh. And so uh, first public though was when I was a young teenager, 13, 14, yeah. I started doing it in public. Wow, that's really good. In fact, there was a, uh, my father worked at, uh, uh, for his real job, it's <laughs> he, he worked at uh, Bendix Aviation in Sydney, New York, and, uh, and they did a uh, magazine uh, article 
article with pictures and so on of him, and, and I wow. was there as his assistant. And uh, somebody emailed me uh, from Sydney just about three years ago that um, uh, they emailed me a picture of the newspaper, and in the newspaper uh, it had this picture of my father and I, and down below it said, do you know who this is? <laughs> and so what they were doing, they were going back through uh, uh, the scintillator, which was the magazine for Bendix Aviation, and uh, they were trying to, um, and and they were going to art feature articles at that time and finding out where the people were that were actually doing it. So oh wow! So uh, got a chance for uh, looking back and and seeing the old time from that. It was very interesting. Gill has been in the uh, International Brother of Magicians magazine, the Linking Ring, at least twice that I know of. Uh, well, on your shirt tails, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, knowing Ricky gets you introduced to a lot of places. Okay, guys, let's take a uh, short break here. I think we got a customer in the shop, so we'll take care of them. We'll be right back. Okay, guys, we're back here now. Uh, we actually have a, a person in the shop, a new guy. Uh, Ricky's getting ready to do an effect for him. It's an effect that uh, he helped create. It's called Easy as One, Two, Three. Okay, what's your name? My name is Clayton Pollard. And where are you from? From Nashville, Tennessee. Nashville, Tennessee. I can see where the... Yeah, you took a wrong turn. You thought the sun <laughs> said Nashville, but it actually said Asheville. thought I was coming home. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Wait, who knows? It may be home before it's over. That's true. People fall in love with Asheville. Yeah. All right, well, let me show you something really quick. Do you, do you know what that is? I would say a, a stained wooden stick. Yeah, we always live in the South. It's just a stick. Yes. Okay, they may say things <laughs> differently in, in Nashville. Well, we're just going to take the stick, we're going to run it to me, just like that. And a pink diamond appears. Do you see the pink diamond? Yes. These are very rare, okay? Show that there's a pink diamond on that side. Mm -hmm. Now, as I turn it over, there's a pink diamond on that side. And now, if I take it, I just turn it in for in, a pink diamond appears on both ends. You see those two pink diamonds? Sure does. Okay, you see, there's two on that side. Now, there's two on that side. Mm -hmm. Okay, and now that they can run them through my hand one more time, mm -hmm. now there are three. So that there's three here, and there's three here. Okay, yeah. but now, just recently, I discovered that if I just lay my thumb, right here and cover those two diamonds all i have to do is pull my thumb back just like that slowly and i erase two of the diamonds you see those two have disappeared mm -hmm. so my hands it's hard to see on the radio i don't know <laughs> my hands are empty <laughs> and now i have a stick with one diamond on this side three diamonds on this side and i can empty the stick for examination nothing pivots nothing moves are they all fastened correctly or Yes, they are. They're actually down on the wood. Nothing moves. Nothing yeah, they're moves. glued and inset. Yeah. <laughs> it's very awesome. <laughs> uh, thank you very much. Thank you. That was a great trick. Now you just experienced magic. I know. First time. <laughs> you didn't think you would experience magic like this in Asheville, right? <laughs> yeah, no. At home. The magic, the magic <laughs> store sign gave it away. Yeah. Well, thank yeah. you. Very impressive. Thank you. Oh, yeah. Thanks. Thanks for helping. Yeah. Uh, Ricky, so that, that's something you and Vaughn and Eric, is that right? Yeah, we were at a, at a magic convention one night, and 
nothing else to do, so we were just sitting in the hotel room and uh, talking about things. And uh, this is based on uh, this is based on uh, the hot rod. And one person would say, "Well, I wish I could do this," and the other person would say, "I wish I could do that." And I say, "Guys, I think we can." And uh, Vaughn built some things for me, and so I got him to to build it and the method that I use and I've created is my handling. It comes with a different handling, but uh, if people come in and buy this thing, that I'm glad to show them. A lot of magicians are like, I'll, show, I'll tell you the trick, but you can't do my routine. My philosophy is you can do my routine word for word, you still can't be me, so I don't really care. <laughs> you know, so. Yeah. That's just the way it is. That's, that's my philosophy in magic. Yeah, that's a good way to go about it. Um, uh, since you've been doing this uh, particular effect, though, uh, do you ha what kind of normal reactions do you get from it? I've noticed I've done tricks in this store, and, you know, hum haul around, they, you know, kind of kick, giggle and stuff like that. But when I pull this one out, and I do it, it's almost like their personality changes. I've, I've, I've caught... I have to say, no, I don't have any supernatural powers. For some reason, this one effect gets people more than anything that I do. Yeah. Because it's right in their face, it's in their hands, I hand it to them, they can actually examine it. And uh, so it, it's it's had a, uh, I've modified it several times. Just recently, I did the one where I, uh, I just erased the two diamonds. I mean, I wasn't yeah. even doing it that way until six months ago oh wow yeah you know, so it, it has a it has a life of its own it continues to evolve yeah and, and magic in reality is that way uh, that's why i love magic magic uh magic seems to have a life of its own so you start an effect one way and uh, a lot of the stuff that we do modern magicians do today is based on thurston keller yeah. houdini you know all that we just bring it up to date yeah, and how hard would you say it is to learn that that specific effect? This one you do, you, you're not going to be able to take it home and do it right out of the box. I yeah. have some effects that you can do that, but this one is worth putting in the time and effort. I would say within within two or three days, you would be able to. Yeah, and, and that would even be someone at like a beginner level right. of magic would still be able to have it in two to three days. Yeah. It, you know, if they're putting the time into it. Yes. And uh, as, as they continue on, I've, I've sold this to some people, and they come back and show me their routine. Yeah. And their routine is different than mine. Yeah. And, and this is something, too, that they can buy on your website? I, I do have a website. It's not really set up to do mail order, though. I okay. prefer to work with people in the store. Okay. Uh, so best bets come in the store or give right. the shop a call. Actually, uh all that stuff we'll have posted on the uh, website with this, um, and we'll give that at the end of the podcast. And I can do, like I told someone did yesterday, they were from Florida, and uh, they were just in visiting. I said, well, I normally don't do mail order, but check out my website. Yeah. If you want something, contact me. We'll figure out how we can do it. Gotcha. And one more thing about this. Are, do you have any funny stories that go along with the effect, like something that's happened while performing it or anything like that that sticks out? The only thing is with this effect, like I say, I've started seeing people's facial expressions completely change when I do this effect <laughs> yeah. versus 
it's a trick. This goes from being a trick to being, can this be real? Yeah. You know, and I don't know what it is about this effect. Maybe it's because of the love and the effort that I put in behind this. I, I don't know what it is. But yeah. uh, I just see people's, and I've just been noticing it out in the last six months, people's facial <laughs> expressions just go from happy to, what am I seeing? Yeah, so something funny, uh, like, that's always gotten me with this is watching you do it for other magicians who've never seen it before yeah. is you always get a reaction from them that like knowing the effect you wouldn't expect i don't think right but it's one of those things i mean for those people out there who don't know it it's it's built off of the hot rod premise basically right. and every magician knows what a hot rod effect is <laughs> it's very simple very basic but ricky is actually taking it somewhere where he didn't think it would go and made it look natural not like, you know, some odd stick that nobody would ever have. It's an actual piece of wood now, <laughs> for one. And I, I mean, like I say, just in the last six months, I've actually added a new... Yeah, a new uh, twist at the ending. Twist, yeah. yeah. Which, I guess if you come in and buy the effect, that goes with it, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, a little I'm, extra bonus. I'm not going to call names, but some of the magic shops... I went in and they have their own take on things. Most musicians yeah. do. But then when you buy it, you take it home, you can't do it their way because the instructions are not there. That's why I like yeah. dealing with people face to face because, again, you want to do it my way, I'll let you do it my way. Well, I'll show you. Yeah, that's a very important thing in magic. Like uh, for those people out there just getting into it or if you're getting your children into it. Something you need to pay attention to is when you buy them an effect, if you're wanting them to do it like the person you saw do it, you need to make sure that's what you're buying. Because sometimes all you're buying is the, the trick, and you're going to have to come up with your own version, or they're going to have to come up with their own version to do publicly. But it's just something to clarify from the outset. Um, people, people have come back to me over the last, I've been here 19 years or maybe close to 20 and people come in and say, so, so and so, I know they bought this from you because they did your routine word for word. And I don't <laughs> care that they do my routine yeah. word for word because when you first start in magic, you must start somewhere. Yeah. All I ask is that they try to come up with their own later on when they're comfortable with it. And a lot of people, like I say, with the one, two, three, a lot of people have come in here and done things that I wouldn't even thought of doing. Yeah. Yeah, so it's one of those great effects. Uh, like I said, we'll throw up some uh, links later on, uh, and you guys can find it in the shop at those links. Uh, but until then, let's get back to the conversation we were having with Gil. And I was just wanting to talk a little more about the uh, the lecturers that the club had coming in. You were talking yeah. about doing all the stuff with Bell Share, and that's kind of, I think, what gave it that initial jump. But now... I don't think well, – actually, I don't think Bell Share I – don't, I don't know what's going on with Bell Share right now. But the club yeah, seems last, to mostly – Last year, they didn't have it. They yeah. just decided that there were so many other smaller uh, events going on that they weren't – that the city yeah. wasn't going to pursue it. Anymore. Yeah, gotcha. Um, but but since since the club has kind of stepped away from the Bell Share stuff, they – it seems like they've been using more like fundraising techniques uh, and just the lectures in general have been bringing in some money yes. to, to, to maintain that. Yeah, they're, yeah. they're almost self-sufficient uh, as, uh, yeah. as far as bringing lectures and 
Gotcha. And, and I think uh, the Weekend of Wonder is actually – it's not organized by the club, but the club does help with that. Like some of the, the members of the club can actually go and help with that when they come, stuff of that nature. And, and the Weekend of Wonder was just an amazing thing for Asheville to get for those of you who uh, – weren't aware of it or whatever uh, we can put some links up to it as well because i think they run that site year yeah, round it is, now it is and from my understanding they only have it at two places right now one's in Asheville, north carolina and the other one i forget arkansas is that right okay mm-hmm. yeah um but yeah so so like i said we'll throw those links up as well um of all the time you guys have been in the, the club like what what's something that's most memorable for you I, uh, well, I like when John Calvert came into town. Um, Is that the, the most recent time that uh, he came? No, actually, I'm thinking of the first time. Oh, okay. When, when he came in and had a show, um, I, he was totally unknown by Asheville. Yeah. But yet we as a club got to, <clears throat> got to get some insight as to how he, uh, developed interest and uh, oh, he had things going on over at Asheville Mall right in the middle of the Belk store uh, <laughs> he had things um, going on throughout town and both radio and television were chasing him um, to a, the various places that he was doing promotion for probably only the 24 hours before the evening show yeah it was very interesting, and then the magic was classic. Yeah. yeah I, I only saw him the last time he came to the club, which was sadly shortly before uh, he kind of left us, but uh, it was just one of the funniest things. And even the Q&A after, it, it was just so humorous. Uh, one of the, the biggest memories is him, what was it, swimming and getting away from sharks and barking like a dolphin? <laughs> yeah. It's like, we don't even know if this was true, but <laughs> you want to believe it. <laughs> I've heard that same story so many times, I told someone, <laughs> at this point, you must believe them. Yeah. Because he's told well, it may be very well true, yeah. though. I mean, we can't dispute it. <laughs> well, there's people that don't know who John Calvert is, besides being a great magician, he was also a stunt double for Al Flynn when they were doing the swashbuckling movies, the pirates and all this oh, stuff. Oh, yeah. And uh, he... He was a very well-known actor back in his day. Exactly. Yeah. He did his own parts. He's, there's there's uh, movies out there that has him as the star or at least the co-star. Uh, he was very fit. One of the stories that I've heard is he bought an old B-52 bomber. <laughs> and he was flying. It wasn't all. It wasn't that great shape, and he crashed it. <laughs> and he walked away. I'm not sure that he was the only one that walked away, but it seemed like he may have been the only one walked away. Story has it that he was in such physical shape. The doctors told him his body held him together. His muscles held him together. Oh wow! And so this yeah. this man was. This man was was a superhero in real life, apparently. Yeah, yeah I mean, the, uh, I forget the exact age he was when he came through the last time, but it was in his 90s, I think. Yeah. And the show he pulled off was amazing. I mean, yeah. <laughs> and he was a pilot you can still see on um, 
on YouTube, I believe, um, the blind pilot um, stunt where, you know, you used to be able to go to the local carnival and see somebody get completely blindfolded and then drive their car around the circuit. <laughs> well, he, he got in a biplane and flew it around. Oh, wow. And came back, and all <laughs> the seals were still on his, uh, on his uh, blindfolds and all that, so he wasn't able to pull them off. And yet he took the plane off and did some acrobatics, aerobatics. Wow. And landed it again. Yeah, so that, yeah, I never even knew that, but uh, that's definitely groundbreaking. Uh, and that was how many years before Chris oh. Angel? <laughs> that was a long time ago. And, and that, that was. That would have been in the yeah, and that's still out there on the edge that I guess Chris Angel tries to to, to skirt on. But, um, but yeah, Cal, Calvert was an interesting guy. Um, well, I didn't get a chance to meet Houdini, but I'm sure I'm glad that I got to meet John Calvert. Yes. I think that he reminds me a lot of what I've read about Houdini as far as publicizing yourself and, and getting people to remember you. And I think that there will be a long time before John Calvert is forgotten. Yeah, yeah. One of the things about his show is his show was handled so well, and it seemed like some of the jokes were. I don't know how he did it. I don't know if it was scripted or what. It never felt scripted, but you had to assume that the way it was choreographed, (laughs) that there was some structure to it. But yeah, if he could do that ad lib, that's amazing. Uh, And and the way he structured his show. It was he and his wife and maybe somebody helping that would drive a truck into yeah. town. And he would use um, uh, people from a lo- local um, dance school or something like that as assistants. Oh, wow. And his wife would uh, would prompt them, and they each had a little part because that's all they had to learn. Hmm. And he would put on this beautiful, big stage show yeah. without having... Uh, rehearsed having to pay and, anyone <laughs> and, and, you know, that, yes which <laughs> he may have paid them some yeah, but yeah sure, yeah but, uh, but the main thing was he was able to come into town and yeah and use local people to put on a really good show yeah yeah he, a guy who knows what he wants uh one of the the greatest things though is him doing his show for the club and like i mean there were a lot of people there that weren't magicians but he made you forget about analyzing it as a magician mm-hmm. i mean you know two minutes into a show you don't care about how he's doing it <laughs> you're just laughing and enjoying yourself and uh, he had the the ability to use the people in the audience because you know the same people's never in his audience but he would pick out one or two people and he would even talk about them and and we would include them into the show, and then the bands were back and forth between him and them, and stuff like that. I know, uh, not so much the first time that he was in Asheville, but the second time he was in Asheville, he uh, he mentored with me and talked about stuff because he finally realized that you know I was somebody that the other people recognized, and <laughs> I had a little bit of a name in magic. So he he used everything, every, everything that, that he could use, he used it. He was a very very intelligent man yeah yeah and and his wife uh you could tell she she put a lot into the shows as well just some of the work she did 
and she wasn't even out front with him. Yeah, she, <laughs> she knew what he was going to do three moves ahead. Yeah, exactly. And she was making sure the path was paved mm-hmm. <laughs> when he got there. And uh, right there, we, we slapped at his hand, and I saw several times to where, you know, the man, the man could have slept on through his show because his <laughs> wife just knew, even though he didn't, yeah. and you could tell that he didn't. You know, I've even... I hate to say it, David, but I've even been to David Copperfield shows before where I I thought that maybe I had a bad day and was walking yeah. through it. Other people were very entertained. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I just knew that that wasn't the level that he normally is. But yeah. I never... Didn't seem to connect with yeah. you. Uh, John Calvert, even at his age, was still still there on every move that he was making. Yeah. And for some of you out there who are kind of like not, not completely invested in magic... Uh, as far as performing it, uh, some of the stuff we're going on about is really hard to achieve. I mean, if you're doing a show that involves more than just yourself, I mean, you have to work with these people just like any dance troupe or any any kind of you know intricate show. Like everything has to be perfect timing, perfect balance, perfect everything to make these things work out properly. And sometimes there are mistakes and. That's where you see the best magicians come in and they fix the mistakes without you knowing there was a mistake. And that's the thing with Calvert is like, I I still have to think some of those little goofy, I mean, they weren't even mistakes, but they were goofy enough to make you think that it had to be planned to, for him to play it off as well as he did. But I I don't know. (laughs) It's one of those things I'll never know. And I don't really care to know because it, it works so well. Get back how, how fortunate the Western North Carolina Magic Club is. Is uh, my memory, a good memory, was, uh, and I've had a lot of them, was uh, Blackstone Jr. Mm. Blackstone oh, yeah. Jr. came into, <clears throat> into the area and did a show at what was the Asheville Civic Center. Yeah. At the time. And the Which Magic- is the U.S. Cellular Center yeah. now, right? Okay. And uh, the Magic Club got to go talk to him after the show. We presented him with a plaque of appreciation for being here, and he was a very, very nice person. And he was one of those that we talked about earlier that knew Bruce Fowler because mm-hmm. Bruce Fowler was there. He walks up, Blackstone Jr. says, "How are you doing, Bruce?" <laughs> and Bruce, everybody knows Bruce. Bruce <laughs> yeah. And we've got a picture of the uh, up on the wall here, uh, the newspaper clipping. Oh, the award to Bruce. Blackstone. Oh, Blackstone. That's right. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's something else. If you guys come into the Magic Shop, uh, Ricky has all these clippings uh, with, with the Magic Club's history, basically, in the in print. <laughs> yeah. Um, and some very big-name magicians around here with autographs that I think Ricky forged most of these. But <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> he forged two Dini's. <laughs> and I paid so much for that deck of cards wow. you sold me. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> Age them yourself, huh? <laughs> I know how to do it. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's just one of those things, you know, brick and mortar magic shop, you walk in and you feel transported. Well, it's not, you know, just recently I put on Facebook, you know, visit me at Magic Central and walk away with more than just a magic trick. Yeah. Yeah, it's very true. Even if you don't do magic, <laughs> that's the beautiful thing. 
so this whole time we've been going on and on about the Magic Club, some of the great things that have happened, stuff like that. But something we should probably address is where can we go for meetings? The when is the second Tuesday of every month at 7 o'clock. At 7 o'clock. And the... And the where is uh, Care Partners has been nice enough to give us a really nice place to have a... Uh, and this is right off uh, Sweden Creek Road, right? Right off of Sweden Creek Road between Biltmore and Interstate 40. Yep. And what's the name of the auditorium where we are? Seymour. Yeah, the Seymour Auditorium, it's called. Yeah. It's a room. And, um, and it's easily... Um, reassembled for anything we wanted to do because all the tables and all the chairs are on wheels yeah and so we can we can sit around the edge and have somebody in the middle we can set it up as a show we can set it up uh as uh tables for doing card and coin magic it's yeah. really a, they must have built it for magicians yeah yeah the, the room's perfect e- even for doing uh video displays and stuff like that they have all the connections everything yes. you could need and they've had a room to well you're back here now yeah, okay. <laughs> oh yeah the name the name is perfect seymour oh yeah there you go and, and also if you're looking for more information uh and like a map to this place you can go to www.wncmagic.com and find out more information there should be a facebook link there um, also, if you're interested, uh, you want to do the phone number for the magic shop? You can call here for information as sure, well. You can do that. The, the, the magic number is area code 828-645-2941. I almost <laughs> forgot my own number. <laughs> 828-645-2941. Well, somebody else will get those calls. <laughs> so for all of you out there, uh, I just want to thank Gil for coming in and hanging out with us, talking about the, the Magic Club, this how it got fun. started. This yeah, yeah, I, I've had a great time. Uh, and Ricky and I will be here again uh, next week if everything goes well. So subscribe to stay on the inside. Check us out at metamystery.com, M-E-T-A mystery.com. And click on the podcast link. If you're thinking about buying something from a real brick-and-mortar magic shop, check out magiccentralashville.com. All one word. Uh, You can click on the map, drive here, meet Ricky in person. You can contact us by mailing podcast at metamystery.com or fill out the form on the podcast page. We love to get your input. And remember, it takes more than a trick to make magic. It's Meta Mystery.